Let's take our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Uh, we're getting to the bottom of the chapter. We're talking about faith. We're not talking about the faith of other people. We're talking about the faith of the other people that God says, watch what I did through them so that you can do it. Our, our whole thing is the Bible explains that we're to live by faith. God wants us to take steps of faith. God wants us to be changed by faith. God wants us to be moved by faith. So important for us to get the point of this, that God's challenging us. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. We will never see great moves of God if we don't take great steps of faith. So I might always God would do what he did there. You know why God did that? Because they stepped out on faith to do something. They trusted God when nothing made sense. They moved forward when they were afraid. They, they put God first in all of their circumstances. They, they lived sacrificial life. They, gave a, they, they, they lived obedient. When God told Noah, build an ark. God, I, I've never done that before, but I trust you. If we're not going to be moved by faith, we're never going to see God do great things. So man, this world needs Jesus. He does. And I want to prove to you today that God works through our faith. The Bible says, and we started with this, and I want to remind you why we're doing this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you're going to please God, it cannot happen without faith. The Bible doesn't just say that it's complicated. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Let me put it like this. If you are not growing in your faith, then you are not where God wants you to be. And I'm not being mean. But if we get comfortable, and I, I even challenge you in your life, in, in this past week, for Christians and people that are here, even if you're not a believer and you're watching or listening right now, I, I promise you today's message is for you. Because faith is constantly going, uh, taking steps towards God. Faith is constantly getting out of your comfort zone. And for Christians that have grown up with these stories and grown up with the word of God, and we know these things, but we're not living these things, then we're not where God wants us to be. God pushes us into areas of our life that are going to be uncomfortable. And that's what every story is that we've read through this. So God is building their faith. And I want to give you another example of this today. <clears throat> every story, an example is how God works. So we, I, I Last week we talked about Moses. Now we're going to jump forward like tons of years. Okay, so, and, and that's what Hebrews does. Hebrews just goes through and highlights these different stories, these different acts of faith. He says, let, 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 me, let me tell you about uh, Abel. And now let me tell you about Noah. And let me tell you about Jacob. Because every one of us is different and we're going to come across different circumstances. And God wants to say, teaching us, I work through all of those crazy things by faith. Faith is moving forward when nothing makes sense. Faith is putting God first. Faith is choosing to walk with God. That's what faith is. They come to the Red Sea. We study that. They get to the other side. They wander through the wilderness, have all sorts of ups and downs. Moses dies. Joshua takes over. They come to the Jordan River. God holds back the water. They come to the other side and they come to Jericho. Now we know the story of Jericho. I love the story of Jericho. This story is not the story of Jericho. It is, but it's not. That's what makes it so cool. It's, it, it's, it's the story of Jericho. But l l let me read it. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they were compassed about seven days. And you're like, Pastor Tony, that's definitely about Jericho. <laughs> Let's get into it. There's a couple of things that we're not understanding yet. I love the story of Jericho. And if you were here a number of months ago when we were back in the sanctuary, I preached on this story. 
And I was talking about faith from the different perspective, but it's interesting to me how God brought them smack up to the wall. It's, it's like they come up to this situation and it is huge and it's massive. And the Bible talks about the structure of it and how big it was and how they were chariots on the outside of it. All these things are happening. And God was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with this. But he brought them right up to it. As they walked around Jericho, they could literally put their hand out and, 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 and touch the walls. It was, it was massive. The weird thing about this story is they walked around it seven days. And the question is, why? You talk about a waste of time. Let me me read it again. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed, after they walked about it seven days. Why seven days? Now I'll ask you guys the question, did God need seven days? Was God just moving slow? Was he like, man, let's, let's take another crack at this thing tomorrow? And I talked about how, how it wasn't about what God was doing in the walls of Jericho. It was about what God was doing in them. Think about this. Just be real. They come home. All the men, they walk around, all the trumpets, and they, you, know, you know the story of what they did. They come home and say, honey, how did it go? It's like, did you feel the wall shake? No, nothing. I mean, did you see any cracks in the wall? I mean, was something happened? No, 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 honey, no, nothing. I mean, you, you had to see at least one brick fall. No, honey, nothing happened today. Nothing. Then why do you keep walking? Why do you have to get up every day and walk around your problem and stare at your problem and look at your problem when there's nothing you can do about your problem? Man, it's a powerful story. But can we just look at this again? We're going to get into the next verse, but we're not there yet. By faith. It wasn't just about Walking is walking by faith. God has me circling this monstrosity of a, of a city. God has me walking around this for a reason. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. But the next word is everything. After. After they were compassed about seven days. See, God wants us to take the steps of obedience and we want the walls to fall right now. And God says, I'm not done. You know what the number of seven was? The number seven was the number of completion. God was like, I'm not done working in you yet. Every day when you're circling on that problem and you're staring up and say, this is so overwhelming. God says, do it again. I want you to obey me. I want you to trust me. It wasn't about God working on the wall. It was God working in their hearts. Some of you are on day four and day five, and I know I'm just re-preaching what I preached a few months ago, and I know that. But some of you are just like, man, I'm so tired. Honey, I got to go walk around the walls today. Man, my knees hurt, my legs, my feet are so sore. It's like, what do I have to do? I'm just going to obey God. I'm just going to do it because God said to do it. That's, that's what faith is. Faith is trusting God when nothing makes sense. Faith is keep moving forward on day four, day five, day six, because they would have never seen the walls drop if they would have quit on day six. That's not the story. Do you know what's weird about this? Let me read it again. This is weird. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they were compassed about seven days. There's no name. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, Jacob. By faith, did you know all the faith of these different? Who's the faith? It's like there's no name. How are we going to understand the faith of somebody? Because Hebrews 11 is about to drop one of the biggest bombs, one of the biggest surprises in in all of the Bible is about to happen right here. Listen to it. Next verse. Here's the faith. You ready for this? By faith, the harlot. 
You're like, oh, okay. Like, well, how'd she get in this passage? Yeah, before you even say, oh, it's probably just somebody that struggled with something. No, she was a sex worker. She sold her body for money. She was a prostitute. We try to water down these things, you know, it's like, she wasn't that bad. It wasn't this. No, she was, she was messed up. Hey, the, the, the Greek word for this is pornos. It's the word where we get the, our word today of pornography. She literally lived a lifestyle of sexual sin, lust, and fornication. And then we look at this and go, what in the world? Like, you're, you're going to compare her to Abraham? You're going to put her on the same level as Noah? He built an ark and saved people and rescued literally mankind as a result of his faith. And now you've got this harlot? By faith, the harlot, Rahab, perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. What is the lesson here? Why is she in the hall of faith? You guys ready for this? Because faith is trusting that God can completely change your life. She's introduced as a prostitute. But if you were to go back to Hebrews 11 too, when we get into the stories of everything that's going on, you know how the beginning, and this is going back a number of weeks now that we started this, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. So when we get to the New Testament, we're looking back at her life. I'm not talking about her sin and her issues and her problems and her lifestyle and her reputation. I'm talking about if you get to the New Testament, when God says, let me tell you about the elders, the heroes of the faith, those that walked the walk and did the job. Let me tell you about those that lived out faith. And I'm going to take you to Enoch and Abraham and Noah, Moses and Jacob and Isaac and all these Joseph and all these people. And God says, yes, Rahab, because she's not who she used to be. What a powerful story. You know, she's the last story story that we read before we get into the list of the other people. Here's the point. How in the world? Here's the lesson. God can change anyone. I, I think there, there's two parts to this, and I'm going to explain this as we got. And have we gotten to the point where we think that there's some people here that think that you cannot change? I've tried to do Christian life. I show up to church. I try to do this thing. But if anybody knew that I have issues behind the scenes, I have addictions behind the scenes, I have problems that I struggle with. I, I have sin of the mind, sin of the flesh, sin, sin of uh, my past. All these things, I'm stuck in a rut. I'm not the dad that I need to be. I'm on the verge of losing my spouse. I can't change. You understand that that is a lie. If God can change the harlot, God can change anyone. I think maybe if it's you, you're stuck in that lifestyle. You have that reputation I, I, I think that sometimes we struggle with that, but I think sometimes it's the flip side of that, that maybe in our minds, there's other people that we know that God cannot change. It's true. You have that relative that you, man, I've witnessed to them. They're, they're, so, they're so brainwashed. They're so strung out on drugs. They've been an alcoholic as long as I've known them. They're a thief. I, I, don't, I don't turn my back on that guy or that lady, whatever. And I'm not the, I don't want to raise of hands, but I'm telling you, for a lot of us, there are people, I'm telling you, that we've written off. 
Maybe it's somebody that's watching online right now that you feel like you're that person that doesn't even deserve to be here right now, that maybe God's written you off. And we struggle with this. Now, we don't say that. Oh, we're too holy to do that. Like, I'll get up on Sunday morning and say, God can save anybody. Amen. Praise God. You'll get in the car and, hey, so-and-so called. What do they want this time? Man, they're such a mooch. Man, I'll tell you what, I've been dealing with them my whole life, and I, you know, no, nothing's the mindset of, man, I believe that God's working in their life, and God wants to save them. No, we've written them off in our minds. So remember, they just crossed over the Jordan River. They come to Jericho, and Joshua sends in these two spies. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two spies secretly saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went, and they came into the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So this was not just, and I, I just want to reiterate this. This is not something that their Bible is just saying, well, she had a past. The Bible's not saying she had struggles. You know, I'm, I'm, I try to be a good person, and I attend the local church, and I do this, but I have problems. No, her house was a, <laughs> she was not a good girl. It's what she did. Prostitution is how she made her money. Her, her, her lodge, her house, her, her place where she was, was known for this in the city. Here she is. She's living in a pagan city with pagan gods, and she's the queen of seduction. She's the one, if you went in the city and asked the other women around, it's like, man, we hate that girl. All she does is ruin marriages. You know how many women have found out that she's been the one that my, their husband was sleeping with? All this. That is the kind of reputation that she had. She was known for this. We see people and think in, their, in our minds that they don't care or God's done with them or they just have crossed the line. Have you ever thought maybe sometimes people just cross the line and just think that God, man, this just, it, we, we write them off in this way. The Bible says, and then when they came into Harlot's house named Rahab, then they lodged there. The, the, the lodging there, and I tried to look that up because, I mean, let's just be honest. If these ambassadors of God walk in, I mean, I don't think this was the type of house they should have been staying at. But it was some sort of like hotel. It was kind of like an inn. And it was double. It was kind of like maybe we'd think of today like a massage parlor or whatever. You know, I mean, there was like, <laughs> you think I'm crazy. A lot of you are thinking, he should not be talking this way in church. <laughs> this is how far the Bible takes it. It's not me. And I think as long as we think that God has this line, it's like, there's, there's messed up people, but man, there's messed up people, you know. Notice this. Verse 2, and it was told that the king of Jericho said, Behold, there came men hither that night and the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, say, Bring forth the men and come out of thee. And they are entered into thy house, for they come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and thus and said, Thus, there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And the, and the verses go on describing how she's over there lying about how they went somewhere else. And she even says, You better hurry up and go get them before they get too far away. So imagine this, okay? Here's these two prophets of God, there are these two spies, and they had to be in some position, some spiritual position to be trusted to do this job. And, and, and they're coming in here, and you can imagine they're hiding in this room, and they're thinking, Dude, we're done. We're going to die. We're in enemy territory. They're after us. And he's like, are she out there lying? I mean, I think in that situation, you'd be like, yes, no, that's bad. Like, yes, she's, you know, what would you do? You know, it's like, this is not the right thing to do. I, 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 she's, she's just doing what she knows to do. First of all, it probably came very natural for her to hide men. 
I mean, that's just part of what her job was, is, is sneaking around and being deceive, uh, uh, deceitful in that way and deceiving other people and deceiving other women. And then she's just lying through her teeth like it was a natural thing to do. Can I point this out? We talk about God can save anyone. She was literally living in sin. It's not that she was struggling with sin. It's not her past. She's living in sin. And <clears throat> she was messed up. She knew she was messed up. It's not a matter of her struggling with sin. I think it's important for anybody here that's struggling with sin, you need to know this, that God loves you like crazy. There's so much spiritual warfare that goes out in our hearts and minds when it comes to us living in sin, that God doesn't care about us or we have to earn because we put God's love on our love level. If you just start doing better, then maybe you can come over for Thanksgiving, but until you straighten up your life, that's just not going to happen. You know, we, we, we struggle with that. We struggle with people that struggle. We struggle trusting people. We write people off. We do all those things. <clears throat> so I think when it comes to God's love, sometimes we put God's love on the level of our love, but God's love is not on our level. The Bible says when we're talking about the love of God and how he cares for us, <clears throat> but God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me read it again. God demonstrated, God commended, God showed his love toward us, and while we were yet a harlot prostitute, a horrible dad, a cheater, living in a sin of any sort, having an addiction, struggling with porn, losing my kids, lost respect of everybody that I have. And yet, why, why I was so messed up, God died for you in the middle of that. You know why? Because in our minds, we think, well, if I straighten up or I try to earn God's grace, if I come to him and I do better, because that is their mind. Let me tell you, the lost deal with spiritual warfare that they have to somehow earn salvation or earn God's favor. You can never earn it. Now, for a lot of us, we're like, amen, that is true. But do you realize for the lost, the reason why some people won't even come to this building is because they don't think they're good enough. The Bible says, <clears throat> not by works not by works, not by the things you do, the good behavior, overcoming an addiction, overcoming your past, overcoming your sin. It's not by your good works. It's not by works of righteousness, of doing the right things, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. The whole point of that passage is the fact that you think that you have to earn it or straighten yourself up. If anybody's watching online and you're thinking, one day I'll get to church or I'll get saved or I'll get right or I'll, I'll try to make my life right, when I get things in order, God's the one that gets things in order. The reason why we struggle so much is because we're made of flesh and our flesh fails over and over and over again. You can never earn God's place in your life. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is when God gave you something that you don't deserve for the spiritual warfare that is breaking out in anybody's mind that I cannot change, God cannot change me, people rip me off. I want you to know that God's grace, God's love steps in when everybody else writes you off. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the work of God. This is basic for some, but I'm telling you, it's spiritual warfare for others. And I know for anybody sitting here going, I know this, I know this, I know this. Praise God, you know this. I'm talking the one on 
line right now or the one sitting here right now that you came in here with your head dropped because you're thinking that God's just done with you and God is not. If God can save a prostitute living in a pagan city, God can save you sitting in Fellowship Baptist Church right now. And she said unto them, listen, what's going through her mind? Have you ever thought what's going through the mind of people that are lost? Because in our mind, we think what's going through their mind is, I don't care, and God's not real, and I don't, uh, you know, all these things go through our mind. I'm not going to talk to them one more time. They've written off God. They don't care what I have to say. They ignore everything that I say. And she said, she's having this conversation. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is falling upon us, and that the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And as soon as we heard these things, it says that our hearts did melt, neither was there remained any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, even the God of heaven and the earth beneath. Let me show you this. She was was not only living in sin, she was broken. Can I, can I just show you some of the things that she's thinking, the process of what she's thinking? She wasn't thinking seeing the church. You say, it wasn't the church. Work with me on this. She didn't see the guy at work that goes to church every week or the lady, the, the, the neighborhood lady that is so faithful to brag on Jesus and plays Christmas, Christian music in her car. She's not thinking as, that, as they were coming forward, as the religious people were coming forward, she's just thinking, I am a mess. I am messed up. Nobody loves me. I'm going to receive the wrath of God because that's what I deserve because I, I don't know their God, but if that God did know me, he would write me off. And the whole mindset that she had was she said, our hearts did melt. She said, I felt for the terror has fallen upon you. You know what terror is? It's dread. It's fear. It means to tremble. Do you know how often people come in this room thinking that they will never be accepted? I don't dress like them. I don't act like them. I, 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 have, I have a past. I have addictions. I have, I have kids that I, in, in ways that I shouldn't have. I, I have, I, 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 the list goes on and on. She had this, the Bible says that she, she has, our, our courage is melted. There's no more courage in any man. Literally on the inside of them, she felt hopeless. She knew she was not good enough, and it scared her to death of our God. So why would anybody be free of God? Because they don't know him. Jericho's story is more than walls dropping, but about God saving an outcast. Do you notice when we get to Hebrews 11, it's not even about the things that we make this story about. God begins to make it all about the one person that needed him and wanted him. God dropped hope into their life, and it wasn't an accident. So can I preach this whole thing a second time, but from another perspective? Because we know Rahab, she's the harlot. She lives in this house. She's messed up. She's terrified. She's scared to death. She's living in her sin. She doesn't know how to get out of her sin. She has this reputation. And we say that God changed her, and that God did. Okay, God changed her. We know that even from the New Testament, that God changed her. But the big question is how? And I I think this is so powerful. This is so important for us to understand. You say, praise God, God can change anybody. But how does God change people? If you ever wondered that, how does God do that? So God sent two people into the city. 
And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out these two men to spy out the land. Have you ever stopped to think about how cool that passage is of what that means? The word Joshua means Jehovah is God. It means Jehovah is salvation. So here's Joshua sending out these two men to go into a really messed up job situation. Or a very messed up family reunion. Or, 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 or a neighborhood where nobody loves God and they just play loud music all the time and they irritate you to death. And Joshua says, hey, go in there and figure out how to tear down the walls. Is that what happened? Nope, not at all. God already had a plan to tear down the walls. God said, go in there and represent Jesus. They didn't even know at the time that they were representing the blood that would be shed by the scarlet robe that she would hold down the side of the wall. But here it is. There's these two guys going in representing hope in the middle of somebody that felt hopeless. Here's the point. God delivers hope through us. Say the world needs hope. Yes. Every one of us in this room and the people watching online right now, let me tell you, you are ambassadors of hope. Well, that feels good. It's like, yeah, I want to be that. That's what I. She couldn't get to them. And if she could, she didn't think she deserved to be there. And if she did, she thought that she would just be ripped apart because of her sin in her past. And God sends hope to her. And you know, not just sending hope to her, God sent hope into a horrible situation. That is why we have outreaches. That is why we care about people that are going through issues. That is why we have a recovery program. It's not because we want you to clean your life up. God steps into our messes. God cares about us in the state that we're in. God cares about that. This is cool. God set up a divine appointment. Have you ever thought that girl's probably thinking, how in the world? Wait, wait a minute. How did they find me out of everybody here? Because if I walked into that city, nobody would sit there and say, I bet you she wants God in her life. She'd probably be the most least likely one in the whole place that you would want to talk and share about God. It's amazing how when we're walking in the spirit that God lines up appointments that you could never line up for yourself. It wasn't an accident. You know how I know it was an accident? She already shared what she was thinking. She already shared what was going through her mind. She said, the terror of the Lord. I knew this. And she was going through all these thoughts in her mind. God sets up divine appointments every day of our lives. Maybe we miss it. Ever thought to go by and say, well, let's avoid her. Is there people that we avoid? People that we think in our minds that they won't ever listen to us or they don't care. So we avoid those situations like that. Have you ever thought that even the doctor that you're sitting in the doctor's office could be a divine appointment for you to share truth? Have you ever thought that that neighbor that drives you crazy, that God put you next to that neighbor on purpose? The cubicle next to you, the the, the, the people that are in your lab that you share, the the, the ones that you carpool with, the, the job that nobody's there that loves God and they just drive you crazy and they hate the music you play at your desk? Have you ever thought that God said, I planned that out on purpose? It was intentional. It's amazing to me how many times I have met people for different weird situations about a totally different thing and how spiritual conversations open up and you say, what a coincidence. No, how awesome of a God. 
And I'll tell you, God has divine appointments set up even on Sunday mornings when we're here, but sometimes we miss it. People that come here that are looking and wondering, will I be accepted? Do I fit in? Do I don't know these songs? I don't know when they stand. I don't know what the, I don't know where Matthew is. I don't, you know, they, they don't know all these things. And then God has you come in and sit down right next to them. And then we're sitting on our phones or we're talking to somebody else or we get up to our friend group and you miss out on a divine appointment. We've got to open our eyes. She's in Hebrews. She's in the book of Matthew because of the divine appointment that people opened their eyes and said that, that we're here and God set it up, but you have to step into it. That's what faith is. Faith is not, man, they're so messed up, but faith is God can change anybody. That's what faith is. So whoever in your mind you're thinking would never be able to be changed, I promise you don't limit God. Faith is believing that God can change anybody, not just change them, but drastically change their life. Stop trying just to get through life and start living in a, as an ambassador of hope. Every day, just, you go in the world, I'm just going to get through the day. I'm just going to make it through. I'm just going to make it happen. You walk up to people that, you know, you're Christian. You just spent the day at church. They walk up to you at work and like, how are you doing? I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. You know the people I'm talking about? Question is, are you one of those people that I'm talking about? Man, where's the hope that lies within you? The work is so hard. They put so much on us in the Christmas season. Where now we're working so hard. But let me tell you, you have an opportunity to make Jesus the reason for the season through your attitude. Through everything that you do. When, when, when your, your, your faith should be contagious. Your attitude should be contagious. Man, we've had some hard times through Logan's journey. And I feel like a broken record. This, this coming Wednesday, this coming Wednesday will be two years since Logan's failed surgery, not since he's been diagnosed, two years since his surgery failed, December 6th. At the beginning of our journey, he, he had one round of chemo, and then we went home, and it was a really long week, two, two three weeks that we spent in the hospital the first time, and then he had the, the, the really hard chemo, and then we went home, and then we were going back to the hospital. And that, that second time when we went back in, we kept putting the monitor on his finger, and it kept reading that his heart rate was bumping over 200, and it was, it was weird. And then we'd do it again, it was really low, and we didn't know what was going on. So we went into the hospital, and while he was in the hospital, uh, they, they were checking his vitals, and the, the lady checked it one, two, three times, and she started freaking out. And she said, I'll be right back. And three people walked in the room simultaneously, and we are like, is everything okay? Then they, then they started pushing buttons, and, and 12 people came into the room. And they were like, Logan, do you feel okay? Is everything okay? And that's when he went into AFib and his heart rate was spiking and all these crazy things were happening. And they ordered ice bags and they began to cover Logan with ice bags, trying to get his heart rate and different things that they were doing. And in the middle of that, and I know a lot of you guys have heard the story, in the middle of that, they ended up calling for a crash cart. That freaked me out a little bit. They hooked him up to a crash cart. And they put the pads on him and all this other stuff. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, like whatever. And I remember me and Jenny's just sitting over there texting people. And we were praying. We were just asking God. I, 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 was, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. When they, when you're, when they can't get it in the rooms full of all these things. And, and it was just terrible. Well, he ended up going down to the ICU. And they ended up shocking his heart twice and doing all these things. And then we had crazy nights in the, in the cardiac ICU. It was, it was a really bad time. Really hard time. Really hard time. A few weeks ago, I encountered somebody. They were asking me how Logan was doing, so I was telling them the story. 
And while they were telling the story, I, I said, man, we've been through a lot. They said, well, I know about his heart thing and everything that happened like that. I said, yeah, we posted it. They said, no. My mom was one of the nurses in the room that day. I said, what? Yeah, my mom was one of your nurses. She was watching you guys. I had no idea who was watching me as I was going through a hard time. Because the thing is, we're good at singing the songs and wearing God is good t-shirts. We're good at showing up the building when things are good and we're going through times that are God, they're blessing and things are happening. But can I rewind to last week? What do you do when you hit the Red Sea? And you want to give up and say, you know what? We would be better off if we would have just died in Egypt. I would have rather just died in Egypt. Then they turn around and the army is running towards them. And God steps in and says, I know you're scared. I I I want you to stop and see. That's what we learned last week. Remember, stop and see. Just watch what God is going to do. Hold your peace because the plan that I have for you is to move forward because I've got more for you. Stop and see. But in the middle of that, you're not like, praise God from me. I mean, you're not just, you're just don't do that. If you are, you're a little weird, okay? But fear is real and it overcomes you. And they're just like, okay. And sometimes you just walk into the split sea as you see the enemy coming behind you because you're just obeying God and you're walking by faith even though you're scared to death. But the crazy thing is you never know in that moment who is watching you. Because the thing that changed this woman's heart The thing that turned all of this aside is verse 10 when she said, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. She says, I know your story. Did you know that that's what changed Rahab's heart? Did you know that's what made her know that there's a real living God? Not not, not because she read something, because she heard something about people that went through a really hard time. And she said, I know that you went forward and I know you made it to the other side. And she said, we all talk about what God did in your life. Your pain could be a setup for somebody future getting to know Jesus Christ. Because the world is watching us right now. And I promise you, that's difficult. But the world is watching us right now. And they're looking for something real. You know what they want more than anything? They don't care about your cute posts. They don't care about the memes that you share. They want to see you when you're going through a hard time, how you still remain faithful. When you're going through a hard time, how you still show up in church. They want to see when you're going through a hard time that God is the real deal no matter what you're facing. Because God is not a fad. He doesn't just go through the motions. People aren't looking for something that is spiritual hype. They're looking for something real. She turns around and says, I saw something real in you. They're watching. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts had melt. Neither did any remain any uh, more courage in any man because of you. But notice the rest of the verse. For the Lord, your God is the God in heaven. Your God is the real deal because I saw it with my eyes. I've heard it with my ears. You are a testimony that God is real. Amen. They want real. I want real. I so desperately want my kids to see the God I preach about. I so desperately want to see the hand of God work 
But I promise you it will never happen unless dad keeps moving forward and Jenny keeps moving forward and Jordan and Logan and Morgan keep walking by faith, even though it's scary and even though it doesn't make sense because it's not just about me. It could be about the Rahab walking in the distance that thinks that God's given up on her for her to look at us and say, wow, that is the real thing. God is real. God is awesome. The point of the story is God can change anyone. But notice this, what it did in her life. I love this. Watch this. Talk about the change. How did she end up going from being Rahab the harlot to Rahab the hero in the New Testament when she's in the hero, the line, the hero of faith, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11? Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness and will also show the kindness in thy father's house and give them a true token and that you will save me alive and my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all them that have delivered you out from the lives of death. She, she turned around and said, this is, this is literally what she's saying. She's, I, I can imagine she's like, I'm a harlot. I'm a harlot. What am I doing? What, are, what am I even asking? Okay. Can I have what you have? Will your God save me? And I know I'm messed up. I'm so messed up. And I know, I mean, she's, she's literally saying this in, a, in like a brothel. She's literally saying this in this hotel for sex. That messed up, disgusting situation. But I promise you, I don't care how messed up your situation is. By faith, listen, it was by faith. Well, your God changed my life. There's two parts of this that I want you to get. Number one, don't write anybody off. First of all, your faith inspires other faith. Their faith to walk through the Red Sea inspired Rahab's faith that God could change her. But whoever's here today, I want you to know that God, by faith, can completely change your life. Jump down to verse Hebrews 11, verse 31. He says in in verse 18, he says, when we come into the land, he said, I want you to take this scarlet robe. Just take it and lay it down the window. When we see the scarlet robe, when we walk around, you will be saved in your house. Now, let let me ask you guys, what what did that do? Nothing. I I I mean, physically speaking, all it was was a simple act of obedience. I don't know what this scarlet, scarlet robe could do as she's met with her family and said, it's like, well, how is the God of Israel going to save us? She goes, oh, watch this. Well, what did that do? I don't know. God just told me to do it. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. You know, another way to put that is by faith, Rahab the harlot perished not because she believed. She believed. Do you know how God will change your life? Simple steps of obedience. So if you're one here today and you have it in your mind, God's done with me. God can't change me. God doesn't care. I have tried a thousand times. I have so messed up. I am at the deep end. I am Rahab the harlot living in that hotel, deceiving and ruining lives. And God says, watch what I can do. By simply, Rahab, just take steps of faith of obedience. Faith is believing that God can completely change your life. But for the rest of us, remember this. Faith is believing that God can change anyone. 
for that person that you've taken off your prayer list, that, that relative, that brother-in-law, the sister-in-law, whoever it is, don't write them off because the power of God is greater than their past. The power of God is greater than their addiction. The power of God will set up divine appointments out of nowhere. The power of God will reach them and save them in their sin. So,